0: You can't keep religious people happy. You just can't. It doesn't matter what you do. It's always going to be wrong. The think God has got to forgive them whatever, wherever they are, whatever they're doing. So you haven't just got one lost son in this story. You've got two lost sons. And what you have done, you've made it about work and keeping religious rules. I'm sad to say, that sounds like me sometimes. Said sorry. And that when the father moves. Okay, so we've got this story segment in Luke chapter 15 the last chapter two short ones one long one now and we we've, we've been through them but I, I just want to look at something in this last one uh, but before I do I just just want us to make sure that we know who's around when Jesus is telling these stories so first of all you got the you got the 12 apostles right and then on top of that you've got the rest of the disciples which they could be anywhere from 72 to a few hundred then then you've got some a smattering of roman soldiers to keep the peace because there's this revolutionary itinerant minister from nazareth running round who's pulling crowds so you know you know somebody's going to be there keeping or watch on things and then there's a bunch of whining religious people they're just moaning all the time they just moan and whine you can't keep religious people happy you just can't it doesn't matter what you do it's always going to be wrong we don't have any of those in our church and you know what even as even as I'm saying that and, and make, making fun of it and, and joking about it we actually don't. I, I can't actually think of anybody who's like that. Which is awesome. So, you've got these religious people. And that, and those are the people that Jesus is telling this story towards. Because they're moaning about the friends that he has and the people that he welcomes. Now, in this third story, the, the, the story of the, the, the lost son, the, he's come back. And in, the, in these stories, there's one about a lost sheep... There's one about a lost coin. There's one about a lost human. Now, those couldn't be more different, those three things. But there is some common common denominators amongst all of that. Uh, Each story has something that's lost, even if it doesn't know it's lost. It's lost to different degrees. Uh, Each story has a searcher character, someone who's looking for the thing that's lost, And each story ends with a celebration, a party. So like, woohoo, like it's a big celebration, like massive, great, big celebration that happens at the end of each story. Now, so this kid who comes back, uh, he turns up, he's a forlorn, man. mess of a human. He's totally failed, he's lost all the family money that he's been given, his inheritance, he's lost it all, um, he's, he's half starved, half to death, he, he looks like he's been dragged through a hedge backwards, filthy dirty, comes down the, the street, and the father sees him come in, and he runs, and the, and the and he grabs hold of the son and embraces him and 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 the son starts to make this this um, this speech he's humbly come home uh, he's come to his senses humbly gone back humbled himself in front of his family and and he's making this speech about how sorry he is and his and his father won't even let him finish the speech and he asks for three things to be done for the son Now, now stay with me on these three things because they're really important and they imply to us. The first of the three things is this. He says, bring him the best robe. Now, now when you think of robe, what you, I mean, we think of a bathrobe or, or a, you know, getting out of the shower and sticking on like a rope. Or maybe if you're, if you have a heritage where royalty wears robes, um, which my heritage does, I think of maybe the queen's robe from the coronation um, and, and, and those beautiful things that they wear. This robe means something in Bible times. It's not just to keep you warm. They have tunics for that. They have outer layers of garments for that. They have uh, like waistcoats made of, of wool and, and fleeces and things like that to keep them just warm. This is a robe. This is a symbol of belonging to somebody. This is a symbol of belonging to a family, um, and, and this sets him apart. It's like it's it's like a covering of the family being wrapped around this kid's shoulders. Jesus uh, says one time when he's looking out over Jerusalem, he, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks. Now, if you That's a great picture, right? Little scurrying chicks and a mother hen sees danger coming and she, and she covers them and she gathers them and she puts them under her wings. And it's a little bit like that with this robe. It's like, oh, come here. And he wraps his robe around this kid. It's acceptance. It's drawing him into the family. You belong. It's a status symbol, especially this one, because it's not just any robe. He says, bring the best robe. This is your Sunday go-to-church robe, and this is the this is your. This is your prom robe. this is your this is your getting married in it robe. this is a this is a fancy piece of kit that he's wearing and he's and he's putting it on and it's and it's it's a symbol of his belonging in the house. Then the next thing he says is this He says go and get a ring. Now it's not just some bling. this is not just some trinket. this is a ring. Go and get the ring. Put it on him Now in in those days, often, families would use a ring to mark a seal of a document, seal of a letter or a seal of a debt or a seal of money lending or a seal of a transaction especially if they were merchants they would do that and and he's putting this ring on the kid's finger and it's like I'm giving you this seal of authority it's yours wear it you belong here it's, and he puts it on his finger. then the third thing he asks for, asked for the servants to bring for his son is this. He says, bring him some sandals to put on his feet. Well, now, why? Well, probably because the kid is barefoot and his feet are beaten to snot, right? So he's just trudged all the way home. And remember, he was a slave. So he's working in a field, feeding dirty pigs. And then he, then he sets off on the journey, and he goes home. And he doesn't have shoes on his feet. Often, Bible commentators talk about this often. I've not researched it enough to, to find out if it's fact or if it's just a nice thought, but it is a nice thought. Often, slaves were kept barefoot, and partly that was to stop them from running away. So if, if you think about that, the father is going to the son and putting... Sandals on his feet this runaway son he's going and putting protection on his feet and it's almost like the father's saying hey look I'm not keeping you here you're free to wander wherever you want I want you to stay within our protection and in the authority of the family I want you to do that but you're free you can wander off if you want what a great thought Now, the kid has tried that already, and it didn't work so well. So you you think, I'm staying home. I'm staying home, especially because they're having a party for me. So he stays home. Now, somebody is not happy that the brother is home and being given these gifts. Now, stop for a minute, but stay with me. Who was Jesus telling this story for and to? A bunch of moaning, whining, religious people. And in this story that Luke writes down for us, there is a moaning, whining person that symbolizes these religious people.
1: Genius!
0: Jesus is so smart. Scary smart. And as he's telling this story, he's weaving these religious people into the plot. And the eldest brother comes home, and he says, what's the noise of the party? Why are all these people dancing? And they tell him, hey, your brother's home. Your dad's killed the fatted calf. We're having a celebration. He's got the robe, he's got the ring, he's got the sandals. And he is ticked. And his father goes out to him. Now, in verse 29 of the story, verse 29 of Luke 15, you read it for yourself. Because because there's some things that the son, the eldest son, says to the father. Now, listen to what he says. He says, the father goes out and says, why will not you come in? And he says this. He says, I have worked for you, served you all these years. I've worked for you. I have obeyed you. All these years. And yet you have never given me even one young goat to celebrate with my friends. But when he comes home, you kill the fatted calf. Now now listen to this. I have. I have worked. I have obeyed. You see, this picture of religion actually thinks that the kingdom is about what he does, but it's not. You see, the kingdom is about what the father does. You can't earn it, and you can't get the kingdom by just being obedient to some religious rules. It's about the father's generosity and welcoming you home when you come with a humble attitude. And there's not much humble attitude about, I have worked, I have obeyed, I and you. And he's about to accuse the father. Now, before we get to that, remember back when the the younger son came home? The father said, bring the robe, bring the ring, bring the sandals. You notice something. The father never got the robe and the ring and the sandals, and he didn't fed exit to the son while he's living in the pig field. He doesn't fed exit to the son when he's getting rat faced drunk and sleeping with hookers. He waits for the son to humble himself, come home, and say sorry. Now, the Bible word for that is repent. You see, I, I can't live in the covering and the status that the father gives. <clears throat> and I can't live with the authority that comes from the ring that the father places on the kid's finger. And I can't live with the protection that comes with being in the father's house through the sandals on my feet and the freedom that that gives me. I can't live with that until I humble myself and repent. And I meet so many people who think they can. That think God has got to forgive them, wherever they are, whatever they're doing. But you see, there's this crucial fact that we talked about last week. He came to his senses, humbled himself, and went home and repented. Said sorry. And that is when the father moves. That's when he gets all this abundance and provision and protection from the father and he's always welcome to come back the door's always been open now the elder son there's no humility there there's no repentance there is He, he thinks he can earn the father's favor So you haven't just got one lost son in this story, you've got two lost sons. One who's lost in a pig field sleeping with hookers, and the other son who's lost in religion, but still very close to the father. Now back to the conversation with the father and the eldest son. He says, I have served you, I have obeyed you, and then he accuses the Father, and you have never given me, and you think, whoa, dude, do not stand too close to this guy in a thunderstorm, because he may get struck by lightning. (laughs) Woo! Don't go accusing the Father and you have never given me now the father's answer is absolutely beautiful and it's in verse 31 the father's answer it's just great listen to what he says read it for yourself too but listen he says my son my son you've always been with me everything I have is yours everything I have is yours do you hear that? Everything I have is yours. In other words, you've never asked me for a young goat. You live amongst all this abundance and all this favor and all this provision and all this protection and, and all the privilege of living with the Father freedom and the forgiveness and the mercy that comes with being in my household in the Father's household and what you have done is you've taken all that freedom and mercy and provision and faithfulness and all the wonderful gift to the Father and you've made it about work and keeping religious rules I'm sad to say that sounds like me sometimes Like me sometimes. Maybe that is the difference between organized religion and living in freedom and grace. Organized religion makes it about work and you know, obeying religious rules. Freedom and grace that comes from humility and repentance and saying sorry is about living in the provision and the abundance of the Father wow bumpy road but what a thought wow Father in the name of your son Jesus Help me. Help us. All the people who are listening to this. Help us to live in your freedom and your mercy and grace. And not to make the kingdom about work and obeying dumb religious rules. Father, help us to do what this youngest son did and to humble ourselves and, and say sorry to you and, and come back home. Father, I long to be embraced by you. I really do. I want that covering, that that authority, that, that protection that comes with being in the Father's house. Father, help us. Help us to stay away from work to try to earn the Father's favor and obeying religious rules to find our place in the Father's house. Keep us safe Father, in Jesus name, help us to find our way home to you. Amen. Stay safe.
2: Dear God, our hearts are broken for this world. The hatred is palpable, the division undeniable, and the pain runs deep. We desperately need more of you. We ask for your truth to be louder than the noise which surrounds us. For your mercy to be stronger than the voices of oppression. For your strength to overpower those who seek to do harm. Where there is division, bring unity. Where there is anger, bring peace. Where there is evil, bring victory. Empower us to fulfill your mission, to answer your calling, to be the light you've created us to be. May your love your grace and your mercy flood this world. We love you. We seek you. We place our hope in the mighty name of Jesus. This we pray.
1: to see